Live from the Whiskey 61 Lounge inside the Bank Plus Studio. You are listening to Mississippi's number one sports talk show, The Out of Bounds Show with Bo Bounds. Streaming worldwide live on the Out of Bounds radio app and on your radio at ESPN 105.9. The Soul. Ah, good morning. Welcome in. Out of Bounds, 105.9 The Zone ESPN. Brought to you by the amazing steaks, bacon appetizer, and bourbon selection at Kessler Prime in the Renaissance. Visit KesslerPrime.com to make a reservation. Week one college football right in front of us. The NFL will kick off a week from this Thursday. Thursday night, NFL, a week from this Thursday. You'll get Florida and Utah on Thursday. Um, I won I won my one bet over the weekend. I took uh, Notre Dame over 34 and a half points, and uh, that was an easy dub. So, yeah. Boom. Yeah, Jacksonville State won me some money over the weekend. They were a, a plus one and a half against UTEP. <laughs> and they won by three? They won by three. Rich Rod wanted to give that away by uh, snapping the ball with 17 seconds left, snapping the ball with 25 seconds left. Um, I don't understand why you're running the hurry up when you're trying to milk the clock and win the game. I'm not a football coach. He knows more than I do. (laughs) But I can do some simple math on, you know, I'd rather snap the ball with three seconds left, right, than 17 seconds. Anyway, uh, he won. He's a madman. He's a good coach, but um, I think that he uh, is a little too wound up for the game today. But he's a heck of a man. He was so good. You don't remember this. When Tulane went undefeated with Sean King. Oh, wow. Um, He was the OC. And he was the OC at Clemson. As soon as he left, Bowden lost it. And then he was awesome at West Virginia. And... Um, Lloyd Carr and the old guard, Michigan guard, got in his way at Michigan. Thought he was going to get it done, but didn't. Had a really successful run at Arizona. Uh, got a little tripped up with the secretary and stuff. But, um, uh, I mean, he look, he's, he's a hell of a football coach. I, I thought he did good things at Ole Miss in his one year. Um, and, you know, he just... <sighs> Corral got hurt. John John Rice Pumley was a true freshman, but he he manufactured as much as he could. And he may be in a good spot at Jacksonville State. But I did watch that game just because it was Rich Rod. Yeah. And, you know, we had some names that I was familiar familiar with over the weekend. And obviously Lincoln Riley and Southern Cal played. I thought they gave up way too many. You know, the national media was all hot and bothered on Southern Cal because if you give them any window to jump on a Texas Longhorns. People are really trying to make Texas good again. Right. right? Yeah, of course. And, and and they may. I mean, they are so much more talented than everybody else outside of Oklahoma. Maybe if Quinn Ewers is the deal and he stays healthy, hey, maybe maybe they get into that 10-win spot and really, really get it done. Maybe Southern Cal does. The Pac-12 is weak. Or the Pac-12 as we know it this year at the end. It will no longer be the Pac-12 after this year. But Southern Cal giving up that many rushing yards? See, that's the difference in our league. Georgia would have beat San Jose State 70-3, to and San, 
Well, I don't know if they would have scored, but San Jose State would have had 57 total yards, Jason, against Georgia. That's the difference. Yeah, well, I mean, Georgia's... I was talking with somebody over the weekend. Their depth chart goes like five-star, five-star, maybe a four-and-a-half in the third string. You know, for like defense or, or whatever you're talking... Mainly defense. Right. But, yeah, I don't see San Jose scoring at all. But Right, and so when you're talking about Georgia and Bama this weekend, and you'll you'll see what they'll do against Middle Tennessee, and uh, who's Georgia playing? Roast Beef Tech? Um, Roast Beef. Yeah, UT Martin. And, and, and well, that's Ty Simpson's dad. Ty Simpson's the quarterback at Alabama, right? I think Jason Simpson's still at UT Martin. He's been there forever. Uh, he's got Mississippi State ties. But, I mean, Georgia's nine million times better than UT Martin. So, I think that's the difference. You know, can Southern Cal get what they need on the defensive side of the football? You can't give up that many rushing yards and me think that you can make the college football playoff and actually do something. Yeah. I know it's early, but still, I would think Southern Cal, San Jose State was 119th in rushing. Offense last year, they weren't any good, and they just ripped through the Southern Cal Trojan defense. They outrushed them. I mean, I can't, I can't get down with that. Um, but I do expect Southern Cal to get better and win games. Now, are we going to get two teams in the college football playoff from the SEC? Georgia and and who? Your pick is LSU for the West, right? Well, but can LSU... It, so if Georgia loses the SEC championship game and goes 12-1, and one, they're in, Jason. Just remember that. Georgia's not going to lose in the regular season unless September 30th at Auburn, it gets weird, and Freeze pulls a monumental upset. And maybe Carson back there, their new QB isn't, you know, maybe he gets totally right. I mean, he would have to have like a, a day. Right. You know, multiple turnovers, everything goes against Georgia and and Auburn squeaks out a win or late in the year at Tennessee. And that's if Joe Milton is as good as everybody. Again, that's another team that the the media wants to be really good. Not not quite as much as Texas because Tennessee doesn't bring as much uh again, branding and eyeballs and blue, you know, blue blood to the table, but but people are, they want Joe Milton and Josh Heupel in Tennessee to be good again. And I get it. The West, uh, the East has been so bad and down. Florida can't get rolling. Tennessee, we think, is getting rolling. And then nobody cares about the rest of the teams. So it's Georgia. Right, right, yeah. And then we're trying to get something out of, granted, we're going to do away with divisions, which is going to be a rude awakening for everybody over in the East. I mean, I was talking about your Ole Miss Rebels and the rude awakening of not drawing the Vanderbilt Commodores every year. You talking about, I mean, the East, flipping schedules, especially depending on what you pull every other year. Man, the South Carolinas, the Kentuckys, and the Missouris, um, and, and even Tennessee and Florida. I mean, they haven't had to run the gauntlet of Bama, LSU, Auburn. And, and our bottom part of the SEC West is super-duper strong. Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and Arkansas all recruit um, in the 20s or better. Again, Ole Miss kind of lives around number 20 as a composite, and Arkansas and Mississippi State are kind of mid-20s-ish. So that's unheard of 
when you look at the back end of the East with Kentucky, Missouri, and Vanderbilt, it's it's not even it's not even close. Um, South Carolina and North Carolina. I think Mississippi State fans will be interested in that game. Why? Well, they they play South Carolina this year, and it's a winnable game, but it's one that Zach Arnett. I mean, the odds are Zach drops the LSU and Alabama game. I know you can kind of feel the momentum from Mississippi State fans thinking that they're going to beat LSU, and they may, but they probably, what's the best case, 20, 30% chance, just like Ole Miss at home somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, which is not awesome, but not... Not terrible. I mean... Well, <laughs> so that at South Carolina game is a big swing game for Zach Arnett. And you may want to watch the South Carolina Gamecocks against North Carolina because you'll play them in a few weeks in Columbia. And, you know, if Arnett can't really afford to go 0-3, LSU at home, at South Carolina, Bama at home. Brutal. Now, Ole Miss, I mean, look, they've got a, a gauntlet too. At Bama... LSU at home, but then Arkansas at home is much better than having South Carolina on the road. Yeah. Mississippi State has. So that that swing game is one that Ole Miss should win. 55-45, 60-40% as far as that. So you won some money on um, Rich Rod? Yeah, I, d- I didn't put anything crazy. Just like 40 bucks, but you know. I you are going to say 400. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, I'm not like your old producer. But okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, Steve Robertson, 830. On the Farm Bureau Insurance Guest Line. Phil Mickelson is back on social media and letting people know about it. He is the gift that keeps on giving as far as content. Let me set this up real quick. A lot of you didn't follow this and I don't blame you. Um, there's a new book out called The Gambler by Billy Walters. Um, and it's on his life. Crazy, crazy life that he's lived as a gambler and entrepreneur. And he was Phil Mickelson's gambling partner, business partner. Like, I'm, that's how serious they took it. Um... And Billy Walters got rung up for insider trading. And Billy believes that if Phil Mickelson would have come out, made a public statement that no, Billy Walters never gave me an insider tip or even jumped on the stand, that Billy Walters would not have had to serve 31 months in a federal prison in Pensacola, Florida. Okay. And, uh, Walters, so this book, I started it over the weekend. You know, he's the one that talked about how Phil has has bet over a billion dollars, that over a five-year period, uh, Phil bet $360 million, that in 2012 at Medina, Phil called him to put $400,000 on the U.S. Ryder Cup, and Billy Walters told him he was crazy. So it's it's just it's one of those books for me that I started reading and I couldn't put down. So if you like, you know, a wheeler and dealer, um, a a guy that has moved hundreds of millions of dollars in sports gambling, 
that's been broke and rich and broke and rich and made hundreds of millions of dollars, uh, you'll enjoy it. And he and Phil no longer talk. They were tight. Uh, Billy Walters was almost like a, a father figure to him. It's called The Gambler. It's really good. You can go audio or read it. And especially for those of you who travel, um, you know, I get it. I mean, what did we do before podcast and, and YouTube and things like that? But uh, it's really well done. Phil Mickelson dropped a, uh, a video on social media, Jason, and he talked about stealing a sign at Augusta National. And they have a couple of places, a couple of ranges that you can warm up on. And Phil didn't like that you couldn't get a long warm up in on this range. And that's what he wanted to do. And it worked for him back in 04 when he won his first Masters, coming out of the American Express tournament that he won. And he talks about it. And they put up a sign that said basically no long range warming up. And so he snuck under the trees one night after the Masters dinner and removed it. (laughs) And he said, (laughs) so I come back the next year and it's there. And I remove it again. And, but guess what happened the next morning? It was there. Dude, they've got security footage of Phil, like, on hands and knees going underneath the tree. It's hilarious. Well, as he's telling the story, he goes, do you believe me that I really took the sign? And he goes, you know, I'm not a betting man or anything. Well, he's saying that (laughs) because he knows everything that's been dropped on him with this new book, The Gambler by Billy Walters. Okay? You know what he does at the end of the video? He grabs the sign and shows it to you. <laughs> he gives zero Fs. That's a comedian. He he just I, I I'm not saying I'm not saying Phil's a good guy. I mean Phil's just a combination of a of really what you have to have in life. I mean insanely point zero 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 one percent talented. Um so 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 philanthropic, so 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 narcissistic. He's a risk taker. He's a gambler. He's an entrepreneur. He's one of the greatest golfers ever. Some of you would argue top 10. Um, some would argue better than that just because of the field that he and, you know, Tiger and, and those that have played the last 25 years, the depth and, and talent at, at the PGA level. But um, he's not backing down. Wouldn't it be great if they made him a Ryder Cup captain? Oh, that would just... <laughs> That would implode Roy well, McIlroy. If, if you were smart, you would. Okay, yeah. golf needs. I, I love golf. Okay, my son loves golf. I mean, we've been. I never knew that not playing golf growing up that we would be able to make money in the sports world on on golf. I mean, we've had so much fun representing golf courses, Edwin Watts Golf Shop, and and many other things. I don't know how many shows we've done from. PGA tournaments, including the one here, the one on the coast, and so on. Um, but, and we almost did one for Tito's for the, uh, oh, what's the one called down there? The New Orleans, uh, the Zurich? Yeah. Classic. Is that right? Um, but the bottom line is, Jason, it's wild. I mean, the hundreds of millions of dollars that they were throwing around, and Billy Walter says that, you know, Mickelson from, I think, the, about the early 90s until recently, uh, he bet over a billion dollars. I mean, he, and, and look, college football's here, and, and Phil loves, loves betting the NFL. There's, there's two chapters of the book dedicated to Phil and gambling, uh, including a story around Phil and the guys going to Vegas for the, week, for the opening weekend and getting after it. 
So we're talking about 300,000, 500,000, 700,000 and more wagers on games and, and parlays and so on. We are realizing that parlays are just a great way to say, here, Jason, you can have my money. (laughs) That's why I was going back and forth with Lee Sterling, who who will join us on Friday, handicapper to the gods, paramountsports.com, and he'll be with us for our eighth season. But I asked Sterling, you know, about parlays. He said, Bo, that's why I've never come on your show and, and sold parlays. That's, I mean, he, and he said, you know, DraftKings and all them that sell it. I mean, it's a ripoff. Yeah. Oh, they take your money. I mean, parlays are, are, but they're fun. But I get it on Saturday morning when you're with the guys, it's always, dude, I picked four teams. I got this. Yeah. And the odds are so big that you'll win, right? You, if, you, yeah. if you throw a few Hyundai on a parlay oh, and you dude. strike it, then you win thousands and thousands of dollars. Yeah, who was that guy? I think it was last season. He bet on like, it was like a 16 parlay, NFL parlay. And he was one game away. It's like the the Patri- or the Lions had to beat Kansas City or something like that for him to win millions and millions of dollars that he put like 30 bucks on the parlay. It's, uh, it's that kind of stuff that like, you know, betting on San Diego State or, you know, South Dakota to beat, you know, your next door neighbor. Mc, McNeese State. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I get it. And I, and I understand that that kind of juice and rush makes it fun. I'd like to ask, how many of you have won a big par, a pretty big parlay, or do you know of someone who has? The Ag Up Equipment John Deere Tractor text line is 601-885-3776. 885-3776. Brought to you by your next John Deere Tractor as you manage your 30, 60, 140 acres. Family land, hunt and camp farm is driven by John Deere, America's tractor. Ag Up Equipment in Canton. Ag up equipment in Pearl, agup.com to find the dealership closest to you. We had college football over the weekend. A couple of things, you know, kind of stand the test of time. Notre Dame's overrated and slow. Vanderbilt is by far and away the worst team in the Southeastern Conference. It didn't look like Hawaii had anything close to a D2 player on their team. Uh, good to see Rich Rod on the sideline for Jacksonville State. What else was I look? Brady Hoke for San Diego State. Um, whoa, was there anything? Sonny Cumbie at La Tech won that game. Uh, but I was kind of torn because I like Mike, Mike McIntyre. McIntyre coached at Ole Miss twice. He's a heck of a coach, coached in the NFL for a long time. And actually won the, what, Pac-12... North at Colorado and won like nine or 10 games and they fired him. And since then they haven't won like more than three games. Now Dion's there. What is TCU and Colorado going to look like this weekend? Coach Prime's debut for Jason's Colorado Buffaloes. Now here's the deal. Kendall Browles will be calling plays for TCU. I expect Colorado to get worked, but we'll see if they do. Steve Robertson, Gene's Page, the Boneyard Podcast. Coming up next on the Out of Bounds Show.
right. Good morning. Welcome in week one college football. Mississippi State will host Southeast Louisiana. And this is, uh, I think it's Zach Arnett's debut. I I understand that he he coached the bowl game. And uh, he and everybody around him, including, you know, Dr. Keenum and everybody involved did an amazing job uh, to get those players, um, you know, in some kind of right frame of mind to play the game. But Zach Arnett, first-year head coach, uh, first game in the first season. And uh, this league is not kind to first-year head coaches. And I do want y'all to take note that the league, I know we're not going to have the East and the West after this year, but the league totally changed in the last few months or year, however you want to say it. And here's what happened. LSU now has an adult as their head coach. Not good for State and Ole Miss. A&M now has a big-time play caller, Bobby Petrino. And he is calling plays. He is. Now, how it'll go all season, I don't know, but he is calling plays and has been. And then three, like him or not, Hugh Freeze can flat out call plays. So it's a totally different game than just a few months ago, much less a year ago. All right? So we welcome in Steve Robertson. JeansPage.com, the Boneyard Podcast. He joins us on the Farm Bureau Insurance Guest Line. Steve, is there? can you tell us something intriguing? I mean, I know we've gone through almost four weeks of practice and the, the ebb and flow and back and forth of all that. Is there anything that you're looking at going into week one? I don't mean about the game. They should win by 100. But like that, you're like, man, I'm really looking forward to seeing this because of X. Well, I'm curious to see how much you're going to run football. And uh, obviously against an FCS opponent, you're going to be largely vanilla. But philosophically, you know, it's like, hey, you know, you run some of your base stuff. But I'm just curious to see how much the play calling changes under Barbe. We know that there is pretty dramatic change schematically with alignment and things like that. Of course, some concepts of the air raid continue, but – it's going to be a change, but I just I'm curious to see what kind of balance they show, uh, and just get, you know really just kind of what the team looks like. Now I've got a I've got a long time source that uh, has probably watched uh, more Mississippi State football practice in the last decade than anybody, and uh, saw him a couple of days ago, and I said, "What do you think?" And he said, "Well, uh, I like what I see," and I said, "Well, that's big words coming from you," and he goes, "Yeah," because I've never said that to you, and. Uh, I think that's an important aspect of this, too, is that there's just so much of the unknown with all of this. And, uh, you know, the defense, we know we expect them to be salty. We feel like especially a linebacker group can be really, really good. Um, But, you know, what's this running game going to look like? And uh, you know what you got in Woody Marks. I mean, do you play four or five running backs on Saturday just to get some guys some reps? I mean, ordinarily you wouldn't play this game, you know, week one. so it's not like you're saving guys for next week, but uh, you'd like to get some film with some of these younger guys. I'm just curious how much of those guys play and how much they run football. Okay, what would you like to – I mean, Marks, you, you know what you have. Yeah, he wants to run a little bit, break a sweat, probably rip off a big run, maybe even score a touchdown. But quite frankly, in the big, in the grand scheme of things, who cares? I mean, does he get about seven or eight touches and then you go – with the other, all those these guys that people, and I don't know if all of them are going to be SEC worthy. I I tend to be very, very cautiously 
optimistic, um, you know, and a realist. But uh, how about this? Over, under, where would you go with Marks as far as touches? Uh, maybe 10. I mean, you know, I, I certainly don't want to see him in the second half. You know what I mean? It's like, especially with, you know, all this discussion about, you know, what, what you've seen from Simeon Price and Jeffrey Pittman and Kevon Lee and, and then Seth Davis, there's just no need you know, to, to play Woody Marks deep into this ball game, you know, and hopefully the game goes the way you expect it to. But, yeah, I remember there's a radio show host in Mississippi that I have some interaction with. It said several years ago on Twitter, you get through halftime, okay, let's put our feet up and watch the kids play, you know. And so, and that, that guy was you, obviously, but uh, that's kind of <laughs> how I see these games. You know, it's like get your guys in there, get a lead, get them out. Right from the younger guys, save some wear and tear for later in the year, you know. And so, yeah, I mean, yeah, Woody may see a little more than that, but past the, the you know, first drive in the third quarter, I, I don't want to see anybody, anybody that's a casual fan knows their name on recall. I don't want to see that guy. Uh, I, mean, I couldn't agree more. Steve Robertson, Gene's page, 247 Sports. His board has been uh, heated up and ready as they go into week one of the football season, Zach Arnett. Um, as the head coach, Barbay, everybody's talking about the Mississippi State offense. What will it look like? Will it transition? How long will it take to get up and running? And trying to balance that with a quarterback who's played a ton of football. So pe- a lot of people are hedging that they can expedite that process because Will has played so much football. What are you hearing about? Tell me anything you can tell me about the tight end position the last four weeks. Well, I mean, you know, obviously they're not going to tell us if things are going poorly, but the one thing that Zach Arnett and Barbe have both mentioned is drops at the tight end position. You know, and, you know, Ryland Godet, if memory serves me correct, he has not caught a football in a college football game in four years of service, you know. And so uh, Jaquarius Spivey obviously was a jumbo X at Mississippi State, you know, so he's got some ability. And I've seen Antonio Harmon do a few things, but, yeah, the way they want to utilize this position, I mean, obviously you, you've had to rebuild the room from scratch and the portal helps because you're able to add two super seniors to come in there and play. But, you know, I, I don't like hearing they're dropping the football because, I mean, you, you, you basically are making a big shift and you want to use those guys as additional blockers, but they have to be weapons in the passing game to, to keep people honest. And that, that that's something, I guess, that I'm concerned about. But the reality of it is, is you've got some guys who played a lot of snaps just hadn't played them here, you know, and so right. hopefully you can kind of get some chemistry built up with those guys. I know the offensive linemen, I've asked them all as we spoke to them, they're excited about having that extra blocker out there, especially those tacklers. <laughs> and uh, Offensive line guys want to run the football. You know, I mean, they, they really don't want to get back on their heels and pass block. Uh, they have to, but, you know, what you really want to do is fire off the football and kind of win that war of attrition, and I think, you know, having that extra blocker, of course, kind of main t- sets up some massive matchups that are advantageous for the offense. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Yeah, they like getting downhill on people. And that's the thing, too. You, we talk about, you know, Nick Jones and Dollar Bill Johnson and Percy Lewis all kind of, you know, cross-training for those two left-side positions. Can you imagine late in the ball game, uh, Percy Lewis and Dollar Bill Johnson running behind those guys and just, you know, plowing people in the ground? I mean, you know, that's, that's something you wouldn't have seen, you know, the last three years. No, it's a double-edged sword, you know. Um, I had an NFL scout tell, and we were out at the NFL draft when Charles Cross was taken. 
But I had an NFL scout say, you know, all the reps that Cross got in pass blocking was such a valuable, tremendous asset for him as far as because of the air rate, because of his growth, Steve. So it's a, you know, I go back and forth on that, but I, I get what you're saying. I, I definitely understand that offensive linemen like to go um, downhill rather than always in uh, in pass blocking uh, situation. Steve Robertson, the Boneyard Podcast on the Farm Bureau Insurance Guest Line. This interview is brought to you by the amazing uh, bacon cheeseburgers at Bulldog Burger in Ridgeland, Startville, and Tupelo. Bulldog Burger will be happening uh, this weekend in Startville, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Okay, I've asked you before, but, you know, it's been a few weeks. I'm going to harp on it uh, because Justin Robinson can have a big year. The question is, can he get it right between the years, and does he have enough dog in him? What have you heard about his fall slash 120 degree camp well you know he's been kind of limited as of late with an ankle injury you know it's not expected to be a long-term thing but i i don't know if you play saturday i I know he'd love to play saturday i don't know if he's capable of playing saturday and you know there's no need to play him saturday if he's not 100 percent but uh but as far as like long term yeah I like what I've seen from the guy because, you know, number one, you think about, too, the fact he's going to see so much more man-to-man coverage this year. You know, it's not going to be go out there and, you know, do a eight-yard curl and then fight for the first down. He's going to be able to get out there and throw the ball up for him a little bit. And so, and you mentioned, well, Rodgers, a guy that obviously knows a lot about ball placement. But, um, yeah, I think so. But, I, you know, I, honestly, I think that the big mark with receivers is just, you know, two loose sliding inside and getting Xavier Thomas on the field. Sure. I mean, that's you know, it's like Justin Robinson. Yeah, we expect him to have a big year, but you, you don't you don't have to have him to have the big year. You know what I'm saying? He could just have a good year, and you could have a great year. And I think a lot of it's just uh, knowing uh, to get guys in the right position. And I think Chad Bumpus was a tremendous hire, and not just because of the fact he's one of our own, but this is a guy that has played in the slot in the Southeastern Conference. And I think Tula Griffin really benefits from that inside. I mean, to have that guy that knows what it takes to do it at a high level in this league as your coach, that's significant. How comfortable do you think Will Rogers is in the new offense? Well, you know, I've talked to him on and off the record. And, and uh, yeah, the main thing he was this summer is just kind of getting everybody else up to speed on terminology and things like that. I mean, I, I think Will benefits so much from being a coach's kid. You know, I mean, it's like he has seen so many of these concepts already, you know, his whole life. And, you know, now he's played in these things. But the reality of it is, is other than, you know, maybe making some side adjustments and kind of figuring out how people are going to attack you from a pass rush because of the different alignments, I, I think it's been a pretty easy transition for Will. And it helps being smart. You know, that's one thing so we we almost understood score sometimes with Will Rogers. I mean, you people look at the numbers and they think, ah, oh, you know, he's done some big things. Will is extremely intelligent. And uh, not to mention – you got some veteran guys around you, so you don't have to spend a whole lot of time kind of pulling those guys along. I mean, you got you know five offensive linemen that have got you know several snaps of SEC play under their belt, and so that aspect of it's really really good. But uh, yeah, I'm 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 very comfortable what Will's going to do, and I think in many ways a lot of the burden of the offense has been lifted from his shoulders. You know, I think in the past so much of it was on Will. And he handled it pretty well at times, and other times he didn't. But I think now with, you know, with the the fact that he's not going to see so much uh, drop eight and two high safeties, I think Will can uh, can do some things that maybe perhaps he didn't get to do regularly last year. 
Steve Robertson on the Out of Bounds show. Let's let's go to the defensive side of the football. Who had the better camp, Travion Williams? I know they don't play the same position, but Travion Williams or John Lewis? Well, you know, we, we get such a limited amount of practice to see. A lot of times, you know, when we're out there, but only, only half of what we see is the varsity. But, uh, you know, you know, talking to David Turner and talking to some of these guys out there, I think they feel good about both of those guys. I think John Lewis, really good chance that he's going to play starter reps. You know, I think he and J.P. Purvis will rotate a good bit. But I think John Lewis is going to get the most significant action of his college career. And I think Trevion's a guy, too, that, Trevion might actually have more uh, a higher ceiling, but because of the fact he is a younger guy playing behind a very experienced group, uh, I think he's going to get second team reps. But he's going to play a significant amount too. But I think John Lewis can be a difference maker, and he needs to be. I mean, you lose Tyrus Wheat uh, was a guy that always impacted the play, even if he didn't make the tackle. And so there's some big shoes to fill there. But you know, JP Purvis is a guy that's been here forever in a day that uh, has kind of played all over the defense. The state has some good options there. Uh, but I think John's probably the guy you look at and say, hey, who who could be a difference maker on this team that maybe wasn't last year? I think John's the first name on that list. Are you buying Deontay Anderson? Hi. I am, but situationally. You know what I mean? Like if you're if you're in third and eleven, third and twelve, and it's an obvious pass rush situation, yeah, you let you trot him out there as a seven technique and let him chase the quarterback. You know, I, I don't know that at this point that he is an every down player. You know, like would he be in there on third and short? Probably not, you know, but I think you use him just kind of situationally. And David Turner will know how to use him, you know, perhaps as good as anybody in the country. But, uh, yeah, I think he plays a good bit, but I think it's more situational type football. Oh, who else? Give me another name that may have a little buzz. And I don't mean, you know, everybody knows Crumity and Bookie and Jet Pickering, those those guys, DeCamrion. Um, uh, is there another name that could be in the two deep that, is showing that he could play a lot as the year plays out or people believe he's got a lot of potential? Calvin Dinkins from Lake High School. And uh, redshirted last year. And people forget this. I mean, he was kind of a late bloomer. You know, he was committed early on. I think Southern Miss was involved with him, Arkansas State. And the next thing you know, it's Florida. and Mississippi State and it's Baylor, you know. So he really blossomed as a senior and uh, wanted to come here. You know, so it wasn't uh, – a total surprise when State got involved with him. But, yeah, this is a big, robust, you know, barrel-chested guy that's out here that uh, is kind of raised in small-town Mississippi that kind of understand what it means to wear the maroon and white. So I think that's a guy, and, and he's been singled out several times by Arnett, uh, Matt Brock, you know, the other defensive linemen mentioned him as a guy that's going to be a big part of things. And that, that's a guy – uh, that I think a lot of our fans maybe don't know a lot about. They're going to look up and say, hey, who's that number 35 out there? Well, it's Calvin Dinkins. And, and I, I do think that he is the guy that gives them the ability to save some wear and tear on that first-team group. Because I don't think there's a tremendous amount of drop-off. I think when you look at you know, his ceiling as a natural athlete, you know, he might even be better than some of the guys in front of him. He just needs reps. But uh, I think this is a guy that's going to be another Mississippi State you know, success story of, you know, interior defensive lineman from small town Mississippi that ends up having a chance to play pro football someday. All right, uh, I guess we'll leave it there. Did I? I mean, I I could go special teams. You want to yeah, give me I mean, anything think, there? Well, I mean, you know what you got on the return game. I mean, you know, you got two Americans back. Yeah, with Xavion and Tulu, and you know, I think teams are going to do all they can to try to get touchbacks, just because you know the more times you kick it, the more 
possibility there is that you make an ESPN Sports Center. I mean, you know, that's, that's the last thing you want is your kicker on some other team's highlights. But you're going to see that a lot at Mississippi State this year. But, uh, you know, I'm inter- eager to see what Crimmage does to punter, you know, the Australian guy. And Eric Bailey seems to really like him. And, uh, you know, they've kind of joked a little bit about, you know, the, 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 the changes and acclimation he's had to make, you know, coming to America from Australia. But uh, apparently he's done a great job. And I'm just curious to see – how they handle this Australian rules thing. You know, we've seen it with other teams. We've never seen it at Mississippi State. All right, we'll leave it there. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate it, man. Yep. Steve Robertson on the Farm Bureau Insurance Guest Line. Bundle your car and home and save with your local Farm Bureau Insurance agent. We are the Out of Bounds Show, 105.9 The Zone ESPN. That interview was brought to you by Bulldog Burger in Ridgeland, Starkville, and Tupelo. Enjoy the amazing burgers, the uh, super delicious appetizers, including the fried pickles, Philly spring rolls. They've got these soft pretzel bites. They're fantastic. All at Bulldog Burger in Ridgeland, Starble, and Tupelo. So we have two snoozers this weekend, but you should be excited. I mean, you get to watch your team play and new people and all that kind of stuff. Um, and we'll see how that looks. Jason's got Ole Miss going ten and two or eleven and one, with maybe a blemish at Georgia. And I don't know. ULM, ULM, and Georgia. Those are the two in the air. Okay. ULM and Georgia. Uh, but I figure Alabama at Alabama is nothing to it, right? Yeah, no, I, I mean, I popped my popcorn over the weekend, so I'm I'm but, good to go. No Tabasco, though. Oh, Didn't do any Tabasco yet. I, I'm so skeptical. Lu, Louisiana hot sauce on popcorn is amazing. Now, somebody texted earlier that they put some Jonesy Q ecstasy rub on their popcorn over the weekend, and that's amazing, too. Jeff Jones dropped that on us. You know, three years ago, um, uh, we do the love rub all the time. You can't, you can't beat it. But uh, that was kind of funny. And uh, but <laughs> anyway, uh, Louisiana hot sauce on popcorn—that that's a that's a game day staple. You going to the Ole Miss game this weekend? I'm not. I'm actually going to the beach this weekend. You're not going to hotty toddy? I'll hotty toddy from Orange Beach. 100. percent What about? Uh, you didn't want to sit in the north end zone that Ross Bjork did? Yeah, no, I, I did my time. You know, I, I got to live it up. I had the pleasure of getting to sit in the sun for 11 a.m. games like, you know, LSU and Arkansas and who was it? Uh, like Coastal Carolina maybe one year, something like that. Coastal Carolina. Yeah, so I've, I think I've done my time in the north end zone. Okay. It's a good place to fry. It's a rite of passage as, yeah. a, as a freshman. Ross Bjork did an amazing job with that expansion. <laughs> It's all for the students, man. I use the student section used to be in the south end zone, yeah, and it would always be covered, right? But then they figured, well, we'll give that to the people who pay more to money, the alums, yeah, sure. And so, you know, kind of makes sense. I yeah. mean, it, you will fry in, the, in those stands at an eleven a.m. game. That's Y'all for sure. are a one o'clock kick, and Mississippi State's a three o'clock kick. Yeah, one and three. Okay, man, it'd be great if the weather would break again. Um. Look up what Oxford looks like on Saturday, Jason. 
and we'll see from there. I can't believe you're not going to um, wear your Southern Mars shirt and Ray-Bans in the Grove um, and, and go all in on chicken tenders. I'm very disappointed. Hey, uh, Oxford, high of 87 on Saturday. That's nice. So, I mean, compared to 103, that, and especially if you've got any kind of shade, and man, if you can get a breeze, that could be, for that this time of year, about as good as you can ask for. Yes, Oxford and Starkville, partly cloudy. Starkville high of 89, Oxford high of 87. Okay. Man, so, if, if the clouds come out, this could be great. We'll all be rejoicing. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, if the clap man, it'd be great for, for our Ole Miss and Mississippi State friends and alums. If, if it is cloudy and it will stay under 90 and you can buy a little bit of a breeze, that's about as good as it gets. And that was brought to you by an ice cold bush light. Uh, enjoy, and our bush light caller line, 601 707 3750. 601 707 3750. Brought to you by an ice-cold bush light. Make sure to get them in the cooler. Get all the ice around them. Let them get good and cold. And then uh, go ahead and grab one. Reach way down in there in the cooler, in the bag cooler. And get you an ice-cold bush light. And then either drink it out of the can or whatever cup you prefer. How about that? All right, what else do we have going on? Uh, Dak Prescott, we talked about. Prescott calling plays over the weekend. He looked like the best offensive coordinator in the league. Um, does that surprise you? I mean, is there anything he doesn't do well? I don't, I mean, he wins a ton of games for a dysfunctional franchise and he played offensive coordinator over the weekend and they looked good. It's pretty good. People on Twitter saying uh, he's going to be Mississippi State head coach whenever he's uh, done in the NFL. What do you think about that? That will not happen because <laughs> uh, he's getting close to being worth a half a billion dollars. Yeah. And he will not take that stress or that grind even for, name your number, six to eight million a year. So he's already worth a few hundred million. Um, he's in this time and day and age where he could be worth a billion dollars. Um, let's just say he's got... He's still young, Jason. He's got seven to nine years left. Dallas is about to re-sign him. He's got endorsements out the you-know-what. He'll easily get to six, seven, eight hundred million. I don't know. Nope. He's not going to take the Mississippi State job. That's a shame. Shame for the Bulldogs. Now, he made like, uh, he and some other buddies made like buying to a Formula One racing team. Or okay. something like that. Yeah, I could Those see that. Those are the kind of opportunities that are come are going to come to Dak Prescott because of one, he's playing at a time with insane money. Um, but and now, could I see him, Jason? I don't even know if he'll call games. He'll have made so much money. Would he be good as a color analyst? Yes. Did you see him and Brady talk? Tom Brady talking before the game. Yeah. What about those? Uh, clean jeans Brady was wearing. Brady, he's in his hot boy phase. And he's he's uh, he's dating a, a supermodel that's like 10 years younger. You know, who knows where this is going. We are the Out of Bounds Show. <laughs> We're brought to you by the Purple Mattress at any of the Miskelly Sleep Stores.